Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. Once again, we want to welcome you to Milestone Church. I want to welcome those of you watching online. We're just two weeks away from moving into our new building. The amazing thing is, right now, you may not know this, right now as we speak, there are people in our worship center reading the Word of God. Isn't that amazing? Starting on Thursday afternoon, Thursday afternoon, you say, we've been reading the Bible the whole way through. You say, how do you do that? Thursday afternoon at 5, 288 15-minute slots, round the clock it's been going, over 500 people participating in it. What an incredible way to start this new season in the history of our church by reading God's Word in that worship center as a way to get us going. I'm so excited. I had the privilege of participating with my family last night. I'd encourage you, you can watch it online and, and see along with as we finish up the rest of the New Testament today. Well, we're in this series, Move In Ready, and as Pastor Jeff said, we're third week. The first week was be informed. The second week was be involved. And now this week is be inviting. I know what you might be thinking, be inviting. This is going to be one of those messages where you tell us, you know, we got to do some spiritual stuff and knock on doors and bring our friends. And and you might be saying, I'm here for the first time and you're already asking me to invite people. Or, Or maybe you're like, I'm not that kind of a person. I'm an introvert and I'm still recovering from the meet and greet. And you're going to tell me to go visit some people. You're like, well, what is this? Is this a membership drive? Is this something that we're doing to try and stir up some marketing for the church? It's none of those things. I can preach this message, be inviting to you with full conviction, without any apology, because I really believe it's the heart of God. It's what Jesus would say to you and I, not because he needs something from us, but because something in that way of life causes you and I to experience a fulfillment we don't get any other way. Turn with me in your Bible to John chapter one. You know, I've been watching, I don't know if any of you have been watching this with my kids. I've been watching Planet Earth 2, this incredible documentary about all these amazing animals. And the thing about this, this animals, you're watching it. And I always think about, okay, how amazing God's creation is, but there's nothing like human beings. Human beings are different from everything else that's ever been created because human beings are so profoundly relational. The way we live, the way we interact, the way we wonder what's happening in everybody else's life, the way when we find something great, we want somebody else to share it. Maybe it's a a movie you saw. Maybe it's a TV show that you you binged watch. Maybe it's a, a restaurant or a coffee shop. Maybe it's a city you visited. But if you go to some place that's amazing, you're like, I gotta tell somebody I care about about what I experience. We're relational. We want to share that. Maybe if you're wondering about things, you want to get information, you're trying to go, well, am I going to like this movie? Am I going to like that event? You, you go to Rotten Tomatoes. You look things up. We lean on each other. The amazing thing about human beings is we have these life experiences, and then we share those experiences with others for their benefit. Really, the way we would call that, the thing that we would call that is influence. You have influence. Now, not everyone in your life is going to listen to you all the time, but it's pretty wild to think there are people in your life who will listen to things, who'll do things they wouldn't have done otherwise. I don't know about you, but there are things in my life, I know it's true for you, I'll just go out there and say it. There's things in your life that you do now that you can't believe you actually do them. The same thing is true for me. Maybe you hear a message and you think, be inviting. I'm not one of those kinds of people. Well, you might be, you just don't know it yet. At this point in my life, 
There are things that I'm doing that I never thought I would do. I, I, I got into distance running. Didn't see that coming. I wear compression pants. Oh yeah, I'm not scared. My kids will call them tights. My teenage daughter says, dad, don't go out in public. You embarrass us. I was like, well, honey, they keep all my muscles feeling good. And I try to make it cool. I'll be like, all the NBA guys are wearing them. She's like, dad, you're not in the NBA. That window passed. It's like, if I'd have had the right coach, I would have been in the NBA. Here's another one. may be surprising. I eat avocado. Now you're like, what's the big deal? Listen, for the longest time, I called the avocado the devil's food. It's like green butter. It's like, what's the point? Why am I eating this? But somehow through the sovereignty of God, when mixed with wasabi on sushi, deep fried, or in some sort of perfect guacamole, not low-level guacamole, good guacamole, I can't believe I say this phrase to my wife. I want some more of that guacamole. I want some avocado. She's like, who are you? I was like, the Lord moves. Now, here's one you probably didn't see coming, and this is a moment of trust. I'm putting myself out there. I never would have believed I'd become the kind of person who loves a pedicure. Oh, yeah, I do. You may see me in our community. Some of you have. We've been on date night before in the chair, just exposed with my toes out there. You said, hey, Pastor Jed, how's it going? Hey, you, what's happening? You know, the ladies try to make you feel awkward. I'm like, listen, ladies, I try my best to keep the toes right. You don't want them to have to do too much heavy lifting when they're working on your toes, especially if you're doing distance running. Things get dark fast. But sometimes when you're in there, they'll be like making fun of you a little bit. They'll be like, you want the polish? I was like, put it on the polish. I ain't scared. I've got daughters. I've worn polish before. And you think, okay, how did I become this person? Really simple. I'm that person because of the influence of others in my life. When we talk about what it means to be inviting, what we're simply saying is, if you're the kind of person who's come into an environment like this, and you've been moved by your experience, by interaction with Jesus, if you've sensed his presence, if you've sensed his power, then very naturally, the overflow of your life would be to share that influence of what God's done with you with someone else. If you're a grandparent, no one has to prompt you or, or make it feel obligatory to share pictures of your kids, your grandkids. You want to share them. There's something in us that wants to live this way. You know, it's interesting. Pastor Jeff said, you know, Jed's a genius. He's this. And really, I don't, I don't think I can deliver on that. I try my best. I got elbow patches, which make you look a little smarter. Um, <laughs> but I was thinking about people and how they change. Fascinated by this subject. You know, in the 1960s, there was this great research done called the diffusion of innovation. That, that sounds smart already, so you got to give me that, right? If you ever read The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell or Start With Buy by Simon Sinek, they both refer to this study. And here's basically what the study says. Everybody changes different. If you look at people who are going to change, everybody changes different. There's a very small group, 2.5 innovators. They're the ones who want to be first. They line up for stuff. They don't even know what they're lining up for. They just got to get it first because they're excited to get it and see it and try it. They're the ones who are already ready. They don't need a test driver. They want to drive one of those automated cars. It may crash. They get the experience. That's this first group. Second group's courageous, the early adapters. They're coming in right behind the innovators. They're wanting things early. They want to see it. Then the, the next two groups obviously are bigger, the early majority and the late majority. Then the last group, and I think this is a little hurtful to call them laggards, but they're the ones who do change. It just takes them an awfully long time. That's not the nicest phrase. 
You're saying, Jed, am I a laggard? Well, you might be. If you still get your news from the newspaper, if you're still listening to an eight track, if you, uh, there, there's lots of different things that you could tell. If you still watch TV on the normal TV without binging or watching TV, you might be lagging behind. I, I, sometimes there are some areas of my life where I'm probably on the later end too, like the avocado, for example. I was talking with somebody on our team. There was a new album coming out. I was like, I can't wait to get it. I'm going to buy the CD. He's like, okay, grandpa. It's like, CDs of grandpa? He's like, all my music's in the cloud. I was like, it may be in the cloud. How do you get it out of the cloud? That's the problem. It's up there somewhere, but I need to listen to it when I'm running. Where is it? Whatever it is, you're like, Jed, why are you talking about this? Because you have more influence than you realize. And maybe, just maybe, you say, Jed, I've tried that inviting thing. I've talked to my friends. They won't come, no matter how many times. I'm tired of doing it. Maybe, just maybe, on that scale of innovation, the diffusion of innovation, you wanted them to be an early adapter, and really, it's going to take more than that. Don't give up. Keep going. It's incredible how God can use you to impact the life of someone else, which brings us to John chapter one. If you're new to the Bible, we've got the notes there for you in in the service guide we gave you. We'll put it on the screen. If you have your Bible and you already turned there, that's great too. Let me just give you a little context for what's happening in the story. The book of John was written by a man named John who spent his life with Jesus and whose life was was transformed by his time with Jesus. And where we're picking up the story, basically what's happening is Jesus had a cousin whose name was John. You may probably know him as John the Baptist. John the Baptist was out in the wilderness. He was a dramatic dude. He was loud and wild and would say crazy things and do crazy things. And a big crowd started to gather around John the Baptist. And when this crowd begins to gather, one day his cousin Jesus shows up. And in the midst of all the commotion and all the crowd and all the people, John stops and he turns and looks at his cousin. And he says, there he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Everything I've been doing has been to set up this moment because it's all about him. You know, we're going to get to John 1, but it's interesting. If you want a little behind the scenes about ministry, about what I'm doing, about Milestone Church as a whole, in so many ways, we're just like John the Baptist. The singing, the greeting, the, all the things that we do, the small groups, the serving, all, you know, the preaching, the jokes, the research, all of it is done in the attempt that maybe, just maybe, There could be a moment where you for yourself can see this Jesus because we believe when you see this Jesus for who he really is, it changes everything. That's what we're trying to do. John chapter one. So they see this Jesus and people begin to follow him. Look what the Bible says. John 1.40, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said, John the Baptist, and who had followed Jesus. Now, if you're familiar with the Bible at all, really, you've probably heard the name Peter. Peter was the one in Matthew 16 who said that Jesus was the son of God. He was the one that, that, that Jesus said on that revelation, he'd build the church. He was the one who walked on water. He had all these adventures. He did all these crazy things. But what most of us don't realize is Peter had a relationship with Jesus because he had a brother who went first. Maybe you're a sibling. Maybe, maybe you have a sibling who has a big personality, who's gregarious, who's in the room. It just takes all the energy and the attention, and you lived in the shadow of that. And you think, do I really matter? The amazing thing is this sibling, this Andrew, made a profound impact on all of history because he used the influence that he had to bring his brother to Jesus. Look what it says. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and to tell him, 
We found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you're Simon, son of John, you'll be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. So interesting, again, back to this idea of bringing people to Jesus. One of the things I love about Jesus, what kind of boldness does it take? You meet someone for the first time. Jesus doesn't say, here's the history of God's move in Israel. Jesus doesn't say, here's the doctrine and the theology I want you to believe. The first thing Jesus says when he looks at Peter is, I know you, this is who you really are. Isn't that amazing? The thing I love about Jesus is he hasn't stopped doing that. He does it for you and I. When we come into his presence, when we're with him, we have the sense that he knows us. And not just any us, the us as we are, the us, the mistakes, the us with the problems. But when he looks at you and I, he doesn't just see us as we are. He sees the best version of who we can be. And when you meet that kind of Jesus, you want to bring other people in your life to meet him. Look what it goes on to say. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, finding Philip. He said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida, a little town. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? That makes me laugh. I don't know about you. I don't know many of you anybody come from a small town, if you come from a small town, which Bethsaida was, a really little small town, kind of in the shadow of Nazareth. And when you come from a small town, I, I grew up in a, in a place where my high school class, my graduating class had 20 people and 13 of us went from kindergarten to graduation together. That, that's like the Duggars, basically. That qualifies for small town. And our rival in school was this neighboring island. And the name of that island in the little city was Friday Harbor. And so we played them in sports. And their mascot was the Wolverine. So I didn't like Wolverines. And their colors were yellow and purple. So I didn't like those colors. And I just didn't like them because they were from somebody else. They were that other thing. And when you're from a place or when you're from a background or when you're from an environment where you wonder if you're significant, it's easy to look at others and think like, I'm not going to listen to what they have to say. And yet Jesus doesn't let that stop him. Look what it says. Philip said, come and see. Such an important phrase. We'll come back to that in a moment. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. I won't go into all the details, but that's a brilliant opening line from Jesus. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You're the king of Israel, Jesus said. You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree, you'll see greater things than that. What a rich little story this is. So much to it about how influence and inviting others not only impacts the one being invited, but also impacts the life of one doing the inviting. And I love the insight into Jesus' world, who's all about come and see, come and see. And he doesn't come to, hey, you're joining a religion. Hey, you're joining a club. He comes to, I know you, I see you, I've always seen you, and if you'll come with me, you'll see greater things than you would have ever imagined. We read a passage like this, you think, Chad, what does this have to do with me? I'm not one of the disciples, I didn't live in this moment, I'm just trying to figure out what's going on in my life. I'll get to that be inviting thing once we get things sorted out in my life. Well, I understand why you would feel that way, I've felt that way so many times. But as I've walked with people 
As a pastor, here's what I've learned over 20 years of ministry. I've never met someone who wasn't at some level interested in the following. Whether they were an atheist or whether they were agnostic, whether they grew up in church. And when I say to them, listen, if there was, just go with me, if there was a God who created the heavens and the earth and he knows you and he knows the best version of you and he knows the plan for your life, if there was such a God and he had something to say to you, would you want to hear what he has to say? I've never met a person one time who answered that question, no. But that's where the real trouble comes in. They say, Jed, if that's so true, if he knows all of this and he has it, and he's speaking, why doesn't he tell me? It's interesting, Jesus loved this phrase, he who has ears, let him hear. Something I pray over my kids every night, give them ears that they would hear and eyes that they would see Jesus. I think sometimes the problem isn't in whether or not he's speaking, the problem is how we listen. In my life, it works this way. When I'm so consumed with me and my needs, you say, Jed, how can you be so confident that you hear God? Well, when I'm so consumed with my needs and my challenges and my situations, and I've got them like you've got them, it becomes difficult to hear. But when I come to God with a posture of, God, what do you think about my friend? God, what do you think about this issue? God, this challenge is difficult. What's your heart for this? God, what would you want to say to me? It's amazing when I phrase my prayers, when I spend time with him that way, how easy it is to hear his voice. And then when I begin to hear his voice in that setting, I have a confidence to recognize his voice in my own situation. It's a principle of the way God does things. He wants to meet you. There's an adjustment sometimes in the way we hear. Will we be involved in what God wants to do in the life of somebody else? Will we use our influence, not just for our own needs, but for the needs of others? Here's the second thing. Now, you probably like me. You're like, we're not ready to commit to that, all the avocado and pedicure stuff, but just go with me for a second. Like me, you like to be comfortable. I love to be comfortable. I'm almost addicted to being comfortable. Like if I get hot, you don't want to spend time with me. I get grumpy. It's not pretty when I'm hot. Okay, it happened this week, it's March, right? It shouldn't be so hot, it's March, the air goes out and I literally was storming around my house. I was sweating, I was a mess. I was like, why does the devil hate the servant of God? I do talk like that to myself sometimes. <laughs> so he goes, calm down, big guy. I'm sure there's probably other things going on. I was like, the sons of Satan are loose in our home. We have no air. <laughs> She's like, probably other people suffering more than you. I was like, no, I'm not really sure. <laughs> we like to be comfortable. Now, I don't know about you, but in our pursuit of comfort, we like a right chair and we like the right temperature and we like to relax and we like a moment to ourselves, whatever comfort looks like. When you actually get comfort after a while, you have this thought. You're like, yeah, I'm comfortable, but what does my life even matter? I want to be significant. So we live in this tension of I want to be comfortable and I want to be significant. And the pull to be significant, the pull to fulfillment pulls us always out of our comfort into that awkward, how's this going to work out? What's going to happen? I'm a little afraid. I don't know how this is going to turn out. And the amazing thing is there's Jesus always calling us out of our comfort to that place where we were created to live. There's people in my life, there's people in your life, they have these incredible stories of what God did. And you think, why does that always happen to them? It's just, maybe it's just the way they're wired. Maybe it's their personality. Maybe it's their gift. Having had those experiences, let me just explain this to you. It's not that. 
It's they were willing to put themselves in that situation over and over and over. And you didn't hear about all the times it didn't work out and it was awkward and the person did say no, but they kept going back to that place because they believed God wanted them to use their influence to make an impact in the life of someone else. And the truth is, he'll do it for you. The same God who works that way in the life of anyone who would simply say, okay, God, I'll follow you. Here's what I'm trying to say. The basic thesis of what I'm trying to say is simply this. God chooses to use us to impact the lives of others. He doesn't have to do it this way. He's God all by himself. He doesn't need our help, but he's chosen because of what happens in your life and my life when we serve, when we, when we impact the life of somebody else. You say, Jed, how does that happen? It happens when we use our influence to help people come to know him. It's how it happens. It's this incredible, amazing thing. And before I pray for you, I want to get practical. You say, what does this look like? Okay, Jed, if I'm going to be inviting, what does that actually mean? What does it mean to be inviting? And the first thing is simply this. You simply say, come and see. This is what Philip did. This simple thought. Because one of the first things that we do when we say, okay, Jed, I, I, I understand God chooses to use us to impact the lives of somebody else, but you're talking about someone else, not me. He wouldn't use me. I don't know enough. I still make mistakes. I do this. I don't understand. People are going to ask me questions that I don't have the answer to. And we feel like if we don't have the answers to the questions, we can no longer be a spokesperson for God. And the truth is, that's not true. See, it's amazing how, again, I found myself on this team in such a way that when difficult questions come into the church, they usually end up at my desk. Right, like, how do we know the Bible wasn't written by men? And what about the dinosaurs? And was there really a Noah's Ark? And come on, who believes that? And all these crazy questions about transubstantiation. And I know you, you guys have those questions because you send them and they end up at my desk. And I try my best to be smart and biblical and sound and help you in that. And listen, I'm happy to serve you in that way. Keep sending the questions. Send all the questions you want. Send them to ron.stagel at milestonechurch.com. You'll get pure gold when you get it back. Here's the amazing thing. God doesn't expect you and I to have all the answers in order to use us. The things I love most about God are not the things that I understand with my mind and I could put God in some little box. Like so many great men in scripture, and I'm not putting myself on their level, but when you think about Job and you think about David and you think about Solomon and you think about uh, Paul and Moses and all the people who walk with God, they all say the same thing that God's bigger and more profound and, and who can describe him and who can understand him. And he, he reveals himself to us, but in so many ways, his greatness is beyond our ability to capture. So when we think we have to have all the answers in order to be used by him, we're missing the point. Love what the Bible says. This is throughout all of scripture. Psalm 66, five, come and see what our God has done, what awesome miracles he performs for people. Every single one of us have what it takes to say, come and see. I don't know what's happened to you. I don't know what's happened in your life, whether you're talking to your neighbor or a coworker or a family member, or whoever it might be in your life. And, and all your, you feel like, man, I have this weight to represent God so well. Maybe you're watching online and you're thinking, well, I don't live next to Milestone and I won't be there for Easter and I'm not gonna be around. Wherever you at, wherever you're at, this translates to you. Because this isn't about a church or a building, it's about a God who's calling men and women to himself if people would simply listen and hear. I believe in the history of our church, we've come to a unique, sovereign moment. 
I'm not trying to equate it with what's happening in scripture, but the convergence of the Easter season and the momentum and life transformation in the church, moving into a new building, you have an opportunity to make an ask that you wouldn't normally have. There are people in your life that you've asked before multiple times and they've said no. In this season, they'll say yes. There's a curiosity, there's a willingness, there's an openness. I was walking around uh, my pond in my neighborhood, which I do regularly, and as I'd done that, uh, I, I met a guy who's in my neighborhood. He saw I had a Sonics shirt on because he's from Seattle and he's from the West Coast and he had a Huskies thing and we started talking and visiting. We saw each other a bunch of days in a row and he's like, who are you and what do you do? I live over there with my family and I work at a church in the neighborhood. Well, what church? Milestone. He goes, well, I don't really, I'm not a church guy. I don't want to do any of those things. He goes, but I saw, if it's Milestone, I saw you guys are building a new building. When that building, this is what he said to me. He said, I'm not a church guy, but when that building opens, you tell me, because I'm bringing my whole family. It's, it's a moment where it's not about how good and eloquent and profound and compelling we are. There's a moment where God is doing it. God is drawing people, and all we have to do is jump in and participate. This is a chance. This is a window. This is a moment. And listen, it's not the building. It's Jesus. If it was the building, I'm in trouble. I'm the last person who should be up. We've been doing these church tours. And my wife goes, give it to her. I was like, okay, I can do it. So I followed Pastor JP around. He gave the most eloquent, profound, long tour I've ever seen. And so I tried to come behind him and do what he did. And so we're walking down. I'm like, okay, here's the nursery area. We call it our whisper wing. I got that part right. And I'm like, this is for nursing moms. And you could stand in here and look at the child through the one-way glass. They're like, wow, that's amazing. A little kid sneaks around the backside. And he goes, Pastor Jed, I can see you. It's not one-way glass. I was like, be quiet, kid. Let's keep it moving. <laughs> if it's about my understanding of the building, we're in trouble. I can give you come and see. That's about all I can give you. But it's not the building. It's the Jesus in the building. And from the first moment we meet in there, let me tell you, people are going to encounter him in profound ways. Which brings me to the second point. Don't say no for anyone. Don't say no. What would have happened if Andrew would have said, no, no, I, I can't bring my brother to meet this stranger who's gonna change his name the first time he meets him, this person who claims to be God. I can't, it would be embarrassing and my brother is a big deal and he throws these fits and it would be awkward. I, I can't believe Philip, he didn't let, he knew. He knew Nathaniel had issues with Nazareth. I imagine they were at you know, some sort of ancient world dinner parties and the subject of Nazareth came up and there goes Nathaniel again, talking all kinds of trash about it. It's awkward. You don't want to be in that setting. But in the midst of that, Philip said, listen, I'm going to tell him. I'm not going to be the one who says no for him. There are people in your life that you know, even as I'm saying these words, they've come to your mind. You know God's moving on your heart. This is a moment for you to use your influence. You can't use it all the time, but there are moments where you can say, please, would you just trust me? Just do this once, and they'll listen to you. But you're nervous because they put up a front, or they can be difficult to be talking to, and it's awkward, and there's stuff, and there's always something going on with them, and there's drama, and there's difficulty, and you're like, I don't even know how to deal with all that. You're not the only one. All of us have challenges and emotions and things that we deal with we don't know how to solve. I learned this very personally the other day. I was in the bathroom getting ready for work, and I got for Christmas, I got Sarah one of those Alexas. I don't know if you've seen those. They're little computer personal assistants, and you ask it stuff like, Alexa, what's the weather today? And Alexa, what time does the movie start? And Alexa, you could 
whatever questions you want. And Sarah likes it some. I did pretty good. It's not easy to buy your wife a gift, but I did okay. It wasn't jewelry, but she likes it. And, um, but the kids really have taken to asking it questions. Just nonstop. They're always, we have to tell them, guys, stay out. Alexa's tired. She's going to quit if you don't stop asking questions. And so my youngest son sneaks in the room. He's looking around. Does anybody see? And he didn't see that I saw him. And he walks up to Alexa and he goes, Alexa, I hate you. And I was like, I didn't write the book on parenting, but that's not good. Better intercede. So I walk in the, I was like, son, what did you just say? He's like, well, uh, dad, I said, I hate Alexa. I was like, we don't talk like that in this family. I was like, where'd you hear that? He kind of put his head down. He said, son, did you hear that at school? He goes, yeah, I was on the playground and somebody told me. I was like, oh man. I was like, son, listen to me. Life can be difficult. Life can be hard. People say things to us. They say they hate us. They pick on us. They're mean to us. And in those moments, we have a choice to make. We could say, you know what? That's okay. It's okay that you hate me. I forgive you. And we move on. It's like, do you understand? He's like, I think so. I said, believe it or not, people even treated your dad that way. I know it's hard to imagine. But when I was young and I was a kid and I'd be on the playground, they'd look at me because I'm a ginger and I have red hair. And they'd say, hey, carrot top. Hey, freckle face. And all of a sudden he looks up and he says, you're ugly. And I said, wait a minute. why did you say you're ugly? He goes, I don't know. Maybe that's something that the kid said. I was like, wait, you've been thinking about this for a while. We're helping you. We're dealing with your soul. Now we got to deal with mine. I'm not ugly. He goes, oh, sorry, dad. Here's the point. There's stuff in our souls. We get us all unsure. We're mad. We say stuff. We're difficult to deal with. We're hard to be around. There's stuff in our souls. Don't let that be a thing that stops you. It's not about you. Maybe not even about something. Maybe it is about you, but it's not about you at the end of the day if you can say, I'm not gonna say no for anyone. I'm gonna be willing to go to that person and talk to them and tell them to simply come and see. You know, we're coming to the end of our time here in this building. It's really pretty amazing. You think about one invite. We used to say this around here. One invite can change a life. I don't know about you. I never thought I'd live in Texas. I never thought I'd be on this platform. I never thought I'd be a part of this church, but someone used their influence to invite me, and here I am. As this season of the church, this time behind Taco Casa begins to come to a close, I can't help but reflect on the incredible impact God's had on the life of my family in this little building. It's amazing. It's overwhelming. And I'm not just talking about the times where I've had the privilege to come up here and to tell you about Jesus. I'll never forget those moments. I take those moments with me forever. But I, I think about being in the back, watching my 13-year-old daughter come up here, preach her first message, preach to her peers at age 13, sitting in the back, holding back tears, going, when I was 13, there's no way I could have done that. Overwhelmed, thinking about back over here where I baptized my oldest son. And like most moments, struggled to get through it because I was so overwhelmed at the goodness of God and what he poured out in my life. And the words of Jesus, when he told those disciples, you'll see greater things. Those words are so true. I've experienced them in my own life so many times. Standing over there with neighbors that we invited, praying for someone over here, thinking about the moments where we felt like God wanted to continue to add to our family. And we prayed and we prayed and nothing happened. And then all of a sudden this miracle baby, we adopted him. He brought into our family. A month later, we got another one. We brought him on the stage as our friends and the people we walk with prayed and dedicated to the Lord. They grew up learning about Jesus. It's overwhelming. 
It's not about me. I don't know what your situation is like. I don't know what Jesus has done. But if you've been in this environment and you've seen his goodness and you've experienced it in your life, it's not about they're telling me to pass out flyers, they're telling me to give cards. It's about what you've had in your soul, what God has done. Just look at somebody in your life and say, come and see this God who moves mountains. Listen, this is not a correction. So many of you are doing this. It's a natural overflow of your life. But if you've never done it, there may be never be a better time than this moment right now to go to the person you think, I'm scared to ask. I don't know what they'll say. What if they say no, Jed? They might say no, but they might say yes. And as literally hundreds of people come in this season, thousands of people come in this season, don't miss for a fact that our team is praying and believing and standing with you because every single person who comes through our door matters to God and they matter to us. We've put there in your seat this Easter card. Maybe you're online and you're thinking, how does this fit to me? Listen, there's people in your life who need to know about Jesus. Have a party at your house. Watch it online. We want to invite everyone to experience this. But if you live here and you're in this room, take this card. we got a website there for you. we got door hangers. We don't want to do anything that would prevent you from having everything you need to use that influence to help someone come and see a Jesus who can change everything. Will you pray with me? God, it's overwhelming. Jesus, your goodness, your greatness. God, there's no way in our mind that we can answer all the questions. Why would you love us? Why would you send your son? Why would you forgive us? Why would you move heaven and earth? Why would you hear our prayer, God? Those questions don't have easy answers, but God, you do it. And we're so grateful. You've made good on your word. You've done greater things than even tell us who we are and and, and that you know us and that you see us and that you love us. Maybe you're here for the first time. Maybe you're like, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I I thought a relationship with God or going to church was about trying to be a spiritual person. And you're talking about a God who loves me and who calls me and who wants me to be with him. Not because I'm perfect, but because he sees the the version of me he created me to be. I want to know that God. Right where you're at. All you have to say is, Jesus, I want to know you. Just like the story we read, I want to come and see all that you are right where you're at. He'll answer that prayer. Maybe you've already prayed that prayer. Maybe as I shared my story, you got your own story about the faithfulness of God in your life. If you've experienced his faithfulness, the most natural thing, the first thing that you should do, look at the people in your life and say, come and see. God, we're praying for every person that these men and women are going to invite. God, I pray that they would see you, that they would know you, and that their lives would be forever changed. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com. 